think that's where a lot of people go go bad with a pup. They throw them in a pen and just throw feed to them every day. And to me, you got to make a connection with them. Some guys don't agree with me on that, but I think you got to have a good bond with a dog. real simple I think with a pup and a lot of people don't understand it. When a pup is ready to start, it will start. You can't force a pup to start and you can't force a pup to treat. It has to do it on its own. Welcome to the Stark Outdoors Podcast. I'm your host, Clayton Stark. In today's podcast, I sat down with J.R. Gray and had a really nice conversation. We talked about his journey coon hunting, pleasure hunting, family, how he trains pups, and also the story of Rackham Willie, two-time world champion Walker Coonhound. Also talked about a lot of the young pups off of Willie because he's a really good reproducer. But before we get into that, I'll just give you guys a few updates of what's going on. As all of you on Patreon already know, my first episode of my pup series is up there. And in that video, I show you my new blue tick puppy. And in this video series, I discuss how I like raising a puppy. I'm not saying I know everything or this is going to work for everyone, but this is just what I do and what I've had luck with. Some of the topics covered in that video include transportation, what I feed the dog, time spent in the woods, how I pick a puppy, what I look for in a dog, basic obedience, and also discuss how to keep a hunting dog in the house. And so far, everyone on there really likes that video. And if you want to see those videos, gain early access to the podcast and early access to my videos. Also, easily get in direct contact with me. Make sure you check out my Patreon page. You can go to www.patreon.com slash starkoutdoors or download the Patreon app and look up Stark Outdoors. Also, the Patreon Pup Series, that's going to be exclusively on Patreon. That will not be uploaded to YouTube. As a big thank you to all of you out there that support me and help make this possible. And as you're listening to this, I'm probably just getting home from a really long trip. This weekend before this podcast will be published, I'm going to South Carolina. They're having the NKC World Squirrel Hunt down there. I'm going to stay with the Nichols family. It's also the same weekend as Southeastern Training Walker Days, and I'm hoping to go hunting with the Houndstooth podcasting people as well. So I'll have at least three or four videos coming out from that trip, and I'm really looking forward to going down there. Everyone I've met down there, really nice people. And currently right now I'm looking outside, and it is about 28 degrees, and there's ice everywhere. And the weather down there is going to be in the 70s and 80s. So I'm really looking forward to going down there and seeing some really good coon and squirrel dogs work and getting to meet a lot of you. Also, coming up March 4th, that weekend, I'm getting together with J.R. Gray, the man featured in this podcast, Eric Emery, and a whole bunch of other people are getting together, hunting a bunch of dogs out of Gray's Rackham Willie. I'll be taking Widowmaker with me. So that'll be a great weekend. I'm really looking forward to that as well. And if you're not already, make sure you head on over to my YouTube channel and subscribe. That way you can see the videos that go along with these podcasts. You can also check out my Facebook page, Clayton Stark, Stark Outdoors. My Instagram page, Stark underscore Outdoors, and also my TikTok, Stark underscore Outdoors. But I won't keep you guys any longer. We'll get right into this conversation, and I hope you enjoy it. Yeah, all right, I'm a, I'm J.R. Gray. And... A lot of you that, if you watch my YouTube channel, you'll probably be familiar with him, or if you follow competition coon hunting at all, you'll know who he is and the dogs he's he's had over the years, because how, I guess I'll start with asking, how long have you been coon hunting? Buddy, on and off, I've coon hunted my whole life, uh, but I've really been 
I guess you'd say stay consistent with it probably since probably 2008. I think you're around. How old are you? 28. Yeah, so I've, I'm 32. So I I thought you were close in age to me. So you, you've been doing it for I ain't a while. I ain't made it to my thirties yet. Not yet. <laughs> it won't be long. You'll be there. You've been, obviously you've been doing it for a while, but you've also had a lot of success for being as young as you are. So did, did you start pleasure hunting for the most part or competition hunting? Yeah, no, I, I pleasure hunted all the way up. To, I guess, you know, besides local hunts, I probably pleasure hunted all the way up to probably 2017. Uh, Really, I never went to a big hunt. We went to the Spring Classic a couple times, and uh, we went to Labor Day Classic and hunted a couple times. But actually, as far as you'd want to say, I'd say competition. I didn't start competition until around uh, 2017. All right, so it sounds like you got a pretty large portion of your hunting was just pleasure hunting, so i kind of like to get in that a a little bit. Like, who who got you into coon hunting? Buddy, it's just a a family tradition. Both my papas used to coon hunt. And my dad, my uncles, uh, and then me and my first cousin, we always hunted. What uh, what breeds did you start coming up with, I guess? Uh, starting out, we had an uh, English dog. I guess the first dog I can remember, actually, that I called mine uh, was Petey. He was an English dog. I think he ended up maybe going back to John the Baptist, or not John the Baptist, but maybe some of that bloodline. I ain't really for sure. Um, but actually, I guess when I started getting serious with it, uh, would have been whenever we started getting, I, I bought a pup off of a uh, Travis Brown named Bo, which he was at a hardwood patch. And then, uh, I'm not, I can't remember exactly which female it was, but pretty much all of, uh, Willie's bottom side goes back into Travis's stock. So we've been hunting pretty much the same stock of dogs for, I'd say 2010. So 13 years, at least somewhere around there. Yeah. So when you started with English dogs, was that dog you're just talking about? Was that the first walker you got? Um, no, we had a few walker dogs, uh, you know, here and there, but I can't really remember them. You know, seems like uh, once I got up about seven or eight year olds, seven or eight year old, my dad he uh, he was an off road diesel mechanic, and he just got to where he was working so much. I mean, he never had time to hunt. And we sold out of the coon dogs and started rabbit hunting, yeah. and all the way up till probably I was a freshman. Uh, in high school or sophomore, uh, which would be 2009, 2010, uh, my uncle, he's like, you know, he's like, you love messing with these dogs and stuff. You ought to get back into it. And then, uh, I can't, I'm trying to think, I think he, that's when he had, he had Willie's mom and, uh, and then a half mate to, uh, to Willie's mother. And that's the two, that's the, I guess you'd say that's where I feel like I kind of got started actually wanting to get into the competition side and actually seeing a good dog go to work. So what was some of the bloodlines the mom, those dogs are talking about? Okay. Uh, Willie's mom is off a of track man. And, uh, I'm trying to think, I think Brown's Haley, I think is, uh, is, uh, was Paige's mommy, which would be Willie's granny. Okay. Um, and the other one was off of a insane cane female and a track man and track man. Did you start just going to big hunts when you started competition hunting or did you just do local stuff at first? No, I mean, uh, when I, when me and my cousin, we, we got, you know, got our permit and stuff, which we was 16, uh, we started going to a few local hunts. And I mean, back then, you know, we'd have four or five casts at every hunt, whether it was a UKC hunt or PKC hunt. And, uh, we started going as soon as I graduated, I graduated 2013. We, uh, we started going up to the Labor Day Classic and then hunting, uh, 
the spring classic. I think we went to spring classic two years in a row, and then we went to Labor Day there a couple of years. And, and we'd won a cast or two, you know, Not never got in the final four. I got, I think I got in the final four of uh, the spring classic maybe one time out of, I guess we was up there five or six nights considering both years. Hmm. And uh, I guess that's kind of where I kind of got the itch and got the start. So did you have, did any of your, anyone in your family would kind of work with you or any mentors kind of show you how it works or did you just jump into it? Well, my dad used to competition hunt, but I would want to say on the competition side, as far as, you know, now and stuff, it would be my uncle Jason. Okay. You know, he, he, he never would really go to no bigger hunts. Uh, but he always, he'd always be like, Hey, you know, they got a hunt over here in Manchester tonight and $30 PKC hunting, or we'd go to Richmond or London, yeah. you know, just something close like that. And then he had Paige with his mom and, uh, he's like, yeah, let's, let's go for the spring classic and try it. We'd go up there. And, I mean, it seemed like every time we'd go, she'd always win, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I don't know if she got beat too much, but she never got pushed either. Not, not like she should have. Yeah. There's, there's quite a few dogs out there that there's a lot of pleasure hunters have them and they might have like litter mates to a, like a really good dog and they could be capable of doing some, some good amount of winning, but they just, they don't get taken to the hunts very much. Oh yeah. I mean, I think she was took to the world hunt one time. We went up there on a Thursday and the hunter on a free entry one night and got her in. And I think she ended up making the top 24 or something, <laughs> but she never got took to the super stakes. And besides 260, you know, probably two years of going to the spring classic and uh, the spring classic and Labor Day classic, $60 open events. I mean, she never was putting nothing but a $30 hunt. Yeah. Yeah. That these modern hunts that the payouts are so big, that kind of skews people, people's perception of kind of the winning record of a dog. Like now, if you say a dog won 50 or 60,000, that could be a ton of casts they've won, or it could be one cast. Or one hunt, you know, but back oh, yeah. back then there wasn't, it seems like now every weekend there's a hunt for just a ridiculous amount of money. Yeah. And I think that's what's got, you know, I feel like, uh, I'm not going to say that the 6,500 to 2,500s are, are, you know, hurting the sport, but I think they're definitely helping the sport and, and that's getting more people involved, getting more money involved. You know, dogs are bringing way more than they ever have. Yeah. Uh, I mean, people, you know, you can go look at handlers' earnings. Uh, and I sit there and get bored at work or something. I'll get on there and look. And you go like go back five years ago and top handler earnings would be, say, sixty to 70000 Now you go on there and look at the top fives, $110,000, dollars <laughs> I mean, you know, you ain't, you got doctors that, that probably don't make that in a year's working. Right. <laughs> so and there, there's, there's a lot of money, you know, if you got the right dog and, and you know that's one thing I love about the TLC. You know you got a you spend a hundred fifty dollars and you got a chance to win fifty thousand first place. I mean that's unbelievable. Yeah, that's that's probably my favorite bigger hunt as well, just because it's open to the everyday average guy as far as the price point of getting involved and the payout is spread out so much that you don't have to just about showing up, you get something back out of your entry fee. It's not like you're just donating $6,500 or something ridiculous. Like if you have a pretty good dog, there's a chance you could make some, just consistently make some money with it. Or like you did make quite a bit of money <laughs> winning it. But that's, I really like that because just my experience with it, it was definitely a more family atmosphere 
for a haunt of that magnitude. And I just think that's, it's more open to people. It, it's good to get people interested. They see that they're giving up $250,000 and the entry fee is so cheap compared to other hunts. Like I really like that. I know the other hunts have their place, but that's just, that's awesome to me. I'm going I'm to predict that in the next 10 years, that will be the, I mean, you know, I feel like right now, you know, the UKC world hunt is the most prestigious hunt you can win. I, I'm going to predict and I'm going to say seven to 10 years, the TOC will be the, the, the biggest of the bit, you know? Yeah, I agree with you as far as like the prestige of it, because there's, there's so many dogs that compete in it. It's not just a like 30 or 40, like there are so many people that, that completely gave up and quit hunting UKC that started entering hunt, local hunts at their club to get their wins, to get qualified for that, that I think it's really helped local clubs and it's gotten a lot more people that I know involved in it. As yeah. Well. So I, I agree I mean, you, with you. You fully. take somebody, you take somebody that had a grand night, you know, besides Autumn Oaks, you would never put them in another UKC hunt again. Right. Unless it's the world hunt. Right. Now you're like, Hey, I'm going to get this dog five wins this year. And then next year you're going to get five and, up until that dog's dead old or you're done hunting it one of the two you're going to try to be there right i mean it, it's a, it's a no-brainer because you know my biggest thing is is they can't nobody say oh well you got to have money or you got to listen you get out there and put your time in your dog you got just as good a shot as anybody if, if your dog's there yeah and the time of year it's held is great where the venue it's at it's great the for the amount of dogs that are there like the travel time for the casts is really, really good. And the fact that they, they saved a spot close to the hut, the club for the final cat, like it's just, it's so well run. It's not like other hunts where you gotta, you get drawn out in a cast and you gotta drive three hours to even turn your dog loose after that. Like, it's just, there's a lot of upsides yeah. to it with very, very minimal downsides. A lot of people want to say, you know, a lot of people will say, well, green castle ain't got coons or it's a little heels or something. But I mean, you know, uh, the first round with Connor, uh, he treated five singles, scored on four of them. Uh, and I think we ended up treeing seven or eight singles that cast. And then the late round, we treed six or seven. Uh, it was just, I mean, I don't know. I, people's like, well, Greencastle ain't, I, I think Greencastle could hold, you know, as far as, uh, hunt, that's probably one of my favorite places. I mean, you, you ain't gonna treat no more coons in Salem, Illinois, or Michigan, as far as I, what I've been to. Yeah, I mean, especially that time of year in middle of April, like the weather is so usually so good for that as far as temperature and the coon or coon movement's usually good. Like there, that is one place you should never have trouble scoring coon on a cast. It's definitely definitely one of my favorite places. <laughs> yeah, I bet. <laughs> <laughs> but for, honestly, for me too, like just the venue where they have it, like the building, and just the whole thing, it's very. Very professional. It's efficient for the amount of, I mean, there's just a ridiculous amount of people and dogs there. And the area's nice. The hunting's nice. The people's nice. I don't, I couldn't, honestly, I couldn't tell you a bad thing about that hunt that I, yeah, that I experienced. Yeah, I agree. And you know, too, and you know, too, they, they promote it. They, you know, they've set it, set the bar for, and you see now, you try to see all these people trying to, I won't say copycat because I'm tickled to death that all of them is doing I think, you know, but there's just so many people now. Like I'll be out at work or be out in town or at the gym or something, and somebody be like, "Hey, buddy, you know, I got on there and got to looking, and they, you know, they wasn't not one bit interested in the coon dog. They're like, man, we can only watch you, uh, 
you hunting for fifty thousand dollars you know what what did it cost i'm like 150 bucks and they're like wait what i'm gonna get me a pin dog <laughs> you know i mean it's just uh and and you all down there you know i've had a lot of people people call and they'll be wanting to talk about talk dogs and breed dogs they're like hey you know what I, I watched uh i watched clayton start and watched that video and uh, he said man he said that's awesome he said you know well we watched connor hunt for fifty thousand. uh we went and hunted with these you know this guy say studding out a black and tan this guy you know frogger obviously yeah uh you know, people just all the time are like, man, that's that's awesome. People's getting into it like that. Especially for some of the older people, you know, they they ain't going to get out and hunt. But, you exactly. know, they're, hey, you walk in, hey, their papa or something say, hey, grandson or somebody, hey, uh, come up here and put this. Uh, I want to watch YouTube here and watch these coon dogs, you know. Yeah, that's it. Exactly. And kind of going back to what you said about UKC setting the bar and other people doing the same thing. Like, you saw, I mean, you were in that hunt. You saw the camera crew they had. I mean, they literally had like TV cameras in the field and they made sure where they're hunting had good enough cell service or reception to stream it back to the studio to where it was still good quality because that's what everyone loves these live videos that people do. But if you're, if you're having a hunt for literally 50 to a hundred thousand dollars and you are documenting it with a cell phone, like it's not going to be that great of a production anyways, cause it's just a cell phone. And then if you're doing it live, I, I never can, I can't leave my house and use my phone. Like the cell reception is awful. It's hard to do. It's not like producing the Super Bowl or something because we're not in the middle of a giant city with internet and everything. You're going to be in the middle of a woods with no cell phone coverage. So you either have to do really good post-production stuff or do what UKC does. And in my opinion, what they did last year and what they're going to do this year is perfect because you get like in-studio live commentary and then they go as the action's happening and kind of show what's going on. And then I also can make post-production videos for it. So you get, to me, you get the boat, like the in the moment coverage. And then also like you and anyone who wants to see Connor or any of those dogs in that video hunt, they can go back 10 or 20 years from around and look and see exactly what happened during that hunt. And it looks, it looks good. Like, yeah, it's, it's great. I mean, it's great quality. I mean, that's, that's one thing about it. I, I mean, I, I ain't just saying because I'm on the phone with you, but you do. You're doing you're doing great work, and the podcast and everything is just you know icing on the cake. Yeah, <laughs> and it's only going to get better. Yeah, it, it'll be very very interesting to see where everything goes because I mean, just thinking when we were kids, if you wanted to hear something about coon hunting or really any hunting with dogs at all, whether it's squirrel or bear or anything, you had to get the cooner or the bloodlines or the full cry magazine. And then you just saw pictures and I love that. I still get those magazines, but just thinking in our lifetime, how much things have changed as far as like right now we're, we're creating a a very informative podcast that people can listen to anytime they want to click on this from like anywhere. Just if they have a cell phone computer where before, if you had a magazine, you have to actually be in possession of the magazine. So this then you have to you have to wait a month. <laughs> yeah. Before somebody wins fifty thousand dollars this next month before you hear about it. Right. Now you'll know within seconds. seconds. Yeah. <laughs> so it'll be it'll be neat to see like maybe in ten or fifteen years or so live like live coverage for everyone might be the way to go. But just right now the technology isn't there to make it look as good as a post production just because there's not enough cell coverage. But it'll be really neat to see where this goes because it has to be reaching 
like not just me, but everyone that does stuff like this, it has to reach a, just a really new audience of people that wouldn't be exposed to it otherwise. Yeah, and I also I like you know that that commentating part how UKC does as well. Uh, a lot of people they they'll be like, well, how does them cane hunts work? You kill them? No, we just you know if they're there they get plus points. If they ain't they get minus. And they're like, but you know with the way the way they get on there and they UKC gets on there and they explain it during the live. You know a lot of people that don't have no idea they can kind of figure it out. Yeah, that's exactly right. They and just the whole aspect of how stuff is scored like it's very easy for an unexperienced person to, that have no idea what's going on that they can sit down and listen and they can learn something and maybe gain an appreciation for it and then who knows maybe one day they'll want to get into it yep absolutely i think it's the best thing for the sport and i think i think it's going in the right direction i do too because i'm seeing it's it's really becoming like a competition where all the registries are trying to have the most prestigious events and pay out the most money and do the best like marketing and media advertising for it, which is great for them. But it's really, it's really great for the coon hunter because they get their name out there. They get their dog out there and just think of like our dads and grandparents, if they could just look back on some of the dogs they've had and see it like in 4k with good audio and (laughs) you know what I mean? It just, Oh yeah, it's a huge, huge difference compared to maybe an a cassette tape <laughs> or something of a <laughs> dog coming treat or something. Which I still that stuff's awesome, and I'm glad they have what they have. But it'll be neat to see where it goes. Oh, yeah, I agree with you on that. Obviously, you won with Conor McGregor, but I want to back up a little bit. We talked a little bit about Willie's mom. Uh, who was Willie's dad? Uh, my only reason, uh, CJ Thomas owned him out of uh, Tennessee. How did you, I guess, how did you get to own him? Well, my uncle, we was trying to figure out what to breed Paige to. He was going on and pretty much was going through the book and he said, well, this dog's throwing loud mouths. And when you look at reason, you know, that's the, that's the color everybody wants yeah. for the most part. Unless, unless they want something just solid white, uh, you know, blanket back, red legs. He had that brown front leg and, uh. That's pretty much, I mean, he was all grand. That was one thing my uncle was like, you know, he's like, I want to, you know, I want to raise little pups. I want to be all grand. Used to, that thing was huge. Now I don't think really nobody cares as long as it's a good pup and bred good, then they don't really care what it's out of. As long as they can go compete with it, it don't matter if it's the dog across the street or rat attack, they don't care. (laughs) I think, you know, I guess too, the competition part about it, it's just, People just got that that drive, you know. I, you know, used to I, I never really cared uh, about going to hunts. I mean, I'd go just for the fun of it. But now it's kind of like I love to coon hunt as good as anybody. But you know, I can't say that if it weren't for competition hunting, that I would still hunt like I do. Yeah, it'd be way easier to sit on the couch and watch TV once it gets dark some nights. <laughs> or the other. Oh yeah. Other night, you drag yourself out there just because you know you got a hunt coming up and you got to be consistent, and it keeps you out there more than yeah. You feel you feel guilty if you don't hunt. Yeah, because then you, you know, feel you like, feel like you're... you're cheating, kind of like you're cheating yourself. You you cheating your dog, and yep. uh, but I tell you though, it helps, man. There's we got a big group of people that we hunt together all the time, and I mean we get out and have you know whether we have a killer hunt or a terrible hunt, we still most of the time have a good time and. And that's the main thing. That's what I. That's what I love about it more than anything. Yeah, that's it's just same here. 
do you like if you're getting a dog ready for a competition hunt do you hunt alone quite a bit no <laughs> if it was left up to me to go out and turn a dog loose by myself i'd just quit the, i'd quit the night <laughs> i mean people everybody's got their own kind of thing and, and whatever's working for them but i mean to be honest with you yeah, if I've got a pup and I'm starting a pup, once once I get running tree and a coon by itself, I like hunting it for a little while by itself. But once they get up a couple year old, I mean, used to, dogs, you know, not every breed or not every dog would hunt by themselves. You don't have that issue no more. No, I, mean, I, I agree I, I couldn't tell you. I couldn't tell you one dog that I've seen. You know, I have seen some off-color dogs, not throwing any shade toward any of them, but I've seen some off-color dogs that won't hunt. But honestly, you don't have no problem about a dog going hunting anymore. No, that's, I've said that before. If I, especially a lot of like starting pups, I don't like hunting them with other dogs that much just because the, the older dog I'm hunting with and the pup I'm hunting, they're both bred so naturally independent that it doesn't matter anyways. <laughs> it's like, Oh, I couldn't, I couldn't tell you how many people calls me. Hey man, we can't get this dog to, to tree. I mean, I, I'm like, what do you mean? Well, our old dogs in there running tree and coons and, and this pup would be, you know, Somewhere floating through the country, I'm like, you'll sell that pup, or you know, <laughs> I, I, I hate that it's doing that for you. Yeah, uh, but some people, you know, they just they don't really understand. Yeah, they just they see they see how hey, you know Willie's pups is doing pretty good, and they've won a little bit. And they call and get one, and they're like, it's the first independent dog I've ever had. I don't I don't know how this is going to work. Yeah, those ones, I if they're independent, I really don't like hunting them with another dog because when they're learning. If you have the older dog in there taking away the easy stuff that he might have treed, it's just you're taking opportunities away from him then, where if he was hunting him by himself, who's to say that pup doesn't run in there on a hot one or something, and then it starts clicking for him, but otherwise, the older dog did it before he knew it was there. Right. Yeah, and then sometimes pups, you know, it's just like just like kids and like we are, you know. Hey, this, this guy went over and done all the work. I'm going to just ease in here and take some of the credit for it. Right. <laughs> I mean, you know, they'll get lazy sometimes. Yep. I, I, know. Just, I just like, once I get them running tree and, you know, uh, I like to hunt them by themselves for, you know, four or five months. And once they get their thing, all the basics, then I'm ready to put them with dogs. So who do you, you, you must have people you hunt with quite a bit then throughout the week. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Everybody calls. They're like, Hey, we got, you got room for us tonight. <laughs> I'm like, buddy. <laughs> if we don't we'll figure something out uh, but no normally you know it'd be uh me and and tony bowman and ellis king casey maggard uh zach norris i mean i would say we hunt together three or four nights a week yeah that, and we'll have four or five dogs that makes it good because then they're i mean they're getting used to doing exactly what they're going to be doing in a competition hunt oh yeah i couldn't tell you how many times we'll pull up and some people's like, man, you are crazy, but we'll pull up. We'll cut six dogs loose down the holler. I mean, they ain't going to be together. <laughs> no. you know, they'll be scattered out. We'll have one two-mile right-handed and three-mile left-handed. I mean, it's a uh, – but we have a ball doing it. We all enjoy doing it. And, you know, normally we try to get somebody to come back to the truck, and they'll drive around, and we'll just keep recasting dogs. Yeah. You know, the, the biggest the biggest thing about it is, is is – and I've had a lot of people come and tell me that, but, you know – they ain't no, they ain't no jealousy with us. I mean, you know, if Casey goes to hunt and wins, hey, we're all tickled to death. If if Tony goes to hunt and wins, you know, we're all fired up. That we, you know, we want everybody to do good, and uh, and that's that's the main thing. I mean, you can't hunt with. There's so much jealousy out there already, and people gets gets mad. They see this guy win, and 
and even your buddies, you know, people will say that you're they're your buddies, and deep down they hate and see you even do any good. Yeah, and that's just it's really too bad that some people are like that because that I never experienced that at all growing up, and I know like that that just shouldn't be a part of it. Like it's it's still coon hunting. Like obviously there's a competitive aspect when you're talking about competition coon hunting, but you should still you should enjoy it and be happy to see a good dog work because yeah, I mean that guy might be winning casts, but like, is his dog, like his, is a dog deserve to win? Like, I'm glad that dog's winning, you know? Right. Right. Absolutely. People, I, uh, that might be obviously more people put more of their ego into it than the dog necessarily. If that's, if that's the oh, case. Oh yeah. I mean, I see, how, I see how all of us, you know, I, I look back and I mean, we put a lot of time in these dogs. I mean, you know, uh, Three to four nights a week, we're driving two hours north just to go hunting. So we got we got four hours of drive time, not counting how long we hunt. Jeez. And uh, I mean, people they got it made. Some people can go out in their backyard and tree a couple of coons. Yeah. And me. I mean, we we can we can go out and hunt here at the house, but I mean, you can't recast. And if I can't recast, I don't enjoy it. I like to cut loose, dogs get treed. I mean, just pretty much hunt them just like we're in a hunt. Yeah. I mean, you know, you can get a ball player out there and they can shoot ball all day. And then, you know, sometimes they'll get good at it. But you throw throw somebody in front of them, you know, yeah. it's going to be a different story. Yeah. People kind of go on and they're like, oh, you got, they think they got to hunt these dogs by themselves. And, and, hey, if that works for them, you know, go ahead and more power to them. But, you know, the way we hunt, it's worked, it's worked pretty good for us. I feel like, you know, pretty much, I mean, I, I think we've been pretty successful. And uh, we're going to keep doing the things the way we're doing. I like to give a big thank you to these businesses because without them, none of this would be possible. So if you're in the market for a new coon hunting light, make sure you check out Big Dog Lights. My favorite light with them is the Big Dog Blitz. But before that came out, I used the Big Dog Genesis without any issues for about 12 years. And if you're going to buy a Big Dog light, you can use code STARK10 to save some money with your purchase. And I really think you'll enjoy those lights. I'd also like to thank Dogtra. And if you're going to purchase a new Dogtra tracking system, you can use code STARK5 to save some money when purchasing directly from Dogtra. I'd like to thank Conkey's Hound and Hunting Supply, Gundog House Stores, Ringtails and Tall Tails Hunting Supply and Taxidermy. For high quality coon hunting clothing, check out Coon Dog Wear. If you need some new boots or some really nice vests, I highly recommend you check out CoonHunterSupply.com with Razor Gear. I got a new vest from them, and I really, really like it. It fits me well, and it's built to last. If you're needing a new Coon Squalor, make sure you check out the Tree Shaker Coon Squalor from Bayou Legacy Game Calls. So once again, just a big thank you to everyone out there that helps make this possible, including those on Patreon as well. And if you're out there and you own a business that you want to advertise in my content, like my videos, social media pages, or this podcast, just reach out to me because my platforms reach 7 million people a month. It's been steadily growing for over a year now. So when it comes to advertising your business, this is a great way to reach a lot of people in your target demographic. And I hope you're enjoying this conversation. We'll get back to it. Yeah, it sounds like it's working. I mean, going back to what you said too about them being independent, I assume, especially those dogs, they're used to competing. I'm sure you've probably noticed some dogs, if they're hunting in a cast-like situation, they hunt a lot harder than they would if they're just by themselves. Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, it's it's good for the dogs because it's it's exposure to other dogs, and it's very specific to what you're doing, and it's 
it's going to get them in shape for exactly what you'll be doing in competition. Yeah, I mean, if you can get out and your dog performs when you're hunting with six other dogs or five other dogs on the ground, uh, when you put three other dogs out there, it should be, you know, if the <laughs> dog's got its head right, it should be a pretty easy, pretty easy run. Yeah. You know, you may not get the strike or your dog may go left and, and when they should have went to the right, but I mean, for the most part, it's it's going to perform the same. If you hunt a dog night in, night out with three or four dogs or five dogs, and then you get out there and you go to a cast, you know, that dog should perform the same because that's all he knows. Yeah. You know, he don't know what it's like. He don't know what it's like to get out there, uh, you know, with two dogs or something like that. I mean, he's, he's ready for it. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. So backing up a little bit more, we're kind of talking about finished dogs there. So we talked about what Willie's parents were. Do you want to just kind of go over how you got Willie started or how we started? Okay. Well, uh, my uncle, Jason, when I, when I say my uncle, I'm referring to Jason. He, uh, he actually kept Willie. They, they was, uh, I think five pups that litter. They was four, well, there's six, four, four males and two, four females and two males. And one of the males, one of the males died, uh, Hmm. probably, you know, two or three days old. And Willie was the only male. So, He's like, hey, you know, you're just going to have to get a female. I, I've always been, I, I've always liked males better because it seems like females, uh, by the time you get ready to go to work on them or, or get ready for a hunt, they come and eat it for a long time. And yeah. I can't, you know, if I'm going to hunt a dog all year long, it kills me to think, hey, I may have to miss this hunt or miss that hunt. Right. It's hard enough keeping one halfway right, let alone worry about their heat cycle right. uh, twice a year. So I took a female home with me, and uh, I guess Willie was about, I, I'm going to say he's about six months, seven months old. Uh, he's running tree and coons, house cats, squirrels, possums. Anything that would run, he would run. And anything that would climb a tree, he'd tree it. I mean, he's treed minks. Uh, he's treed a little bit of everything. <laughs> and, uh, well, he was a he was a ball-mouth tree dog when he was a pup. Yeah. And uh, my uncle, he's like, he said, hey, he said, uh, I'm going to sell this pup. I know you was wanting him. If you want him, come get him. And uh, I'm like, well, you know, what are you, you going to ask for him? He said, uh, I'll take 700 for him. I'm like, all right, I'll do that. <laughs> and I come got him and just hunted him and hunted him. And then once Willie got up about, I'm going to say two-year-old, uh, well, maybe a year and a half old, uh, he kind of started getting into a squall chop. Mm-hmm. And he'd, he'd chop a little bit and squall. And, and uh, pretty much, it, I mean, the older he got, the more settled in he got, and the better off as far as getting treed. But. As soon as you'd get in there to him, he'd just start squalling. <laughs> I mean, it's, you'd think something was dying in there. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and, and that was hitting. Now he looks back last. He said, man, that dog cost me a lot of money right there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, but he it was wasn't, you at least. Honestly, honestly, yeah, that's what, that's what he tells everybody. And, you know, too, I mean, he, he's tickled to death and he's probably one of Willie's biggest promoters. Yeah. Uh, they, they ain't nobody in the country better with dogs. I mean, that's pretty much everything the way he trained. That's how I pretty much learned. I mean, I've got a few things different than him, but for the most part, I just copycat him. It worked good and how Paige was, and uh, I've done it with Willie and Willie's pups and, and so on. Uh, but he's he is one. Of the, I'm telling you, he's one of the best dog men in the country, and, and a lot of people know him. For him to, to not want a whole lot, I mean, he's he's pretty you know pretty well known. Yeah, and uh, he's finally he's getting back into it pretty hard now, and. Uh, I think he's got one there we're going to take to the Super Stakes, and uh, I'm hoping I can get him out and get him back to competition hunting wide open. Good. (laughs) 
But I am glad that if he did sell a dog that was that successful, that was to his, to his family. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Well, he, he said, you know, he said, if it wasn't for you, he said, I wouldn't ever sold him, but I, I knew you was wanting to mail and, and, uh, you know, I figured, you know, you'd push him a little better, try to. Yeah. It worked but, out. You know? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. So when did you start competition hunting him? Uh, I guess, uh, the first hunt I can remember actually putting him in is up there at the Kentucky Houndsman hunt. And, uh, it's when he was a one year old and we went up there and hunted both nights. I think I got first place, uh, registered the first night. And I think I took second or third, the second night. I think huh. he scored like seven, seven, something one night. And the next night he scored 475 or 500. It's been so long now. I can't hardly remember exactly what the scores was, but, uh, we took him there and I'm like, well, you know, now all I need is one win and I'll make him a night champion. That's back when you just had to have three wins. And, uh, Made him a night champion. We had a hunt over in Manchester to make him a night champion. Actually, I think it's RQE. And then uh, turn around, and the next year, the houndsman, we had the houndsman hunt again come up. Now, I didn't really put him in no hunts in between and went up there. We won both nights, and, and that's back when you had to have uh, five first-place wins. Well, I got first place on Friday night, and then or maybe I got second on Saturday night, but once there's like over 20 dogs in night champion, you could get a first, they you know they'd give out two first place. Okay. Maybe I got second, second on Friday night. And then Saturday night, I got first place again. And then I went on to end up making him a grand night. Uh, but I, I hunted him at the houndsman hunt six nights and, uh, all six nights, uh, I placed first or second with him Jeez. from as one year old, two year old, a three year old. <laughs> and then, uh, when he was three, I took him to autumn Oaks, Mike Ayers, uh, uh, but he's just like a brother to me he kind of got in hunting with us uh when willie was probably two year old and he, all his black and tan buddies had kind of quit hunting or something so he started hunting with me and tony bowman and he's like but you want to try out of oaks out this year instead of hunting the labor day and we went over and uh we hunted out of oaks got lucky in place in top 16 and really I'm trying to think. I can't remember exactly what happened. I think he, my, the top 16 I was in, or the grand 16, uh, we had a, Willie treat Kane Fultz guide us, and Willie treat the only coon, but it was in time. We it was in timeout, uh-huh. so we didn't we didn't get the score, and it ended up being a dead uh, a dead cat. Jeez. Uh, and then turned around that spring, we took him to the Super Stakes, uh, which Levi hunted him at the Super Stakes. I think we got to hunt him two nights. And Levi won one early round and lost early round, and uh, we ended up getting uh, we ended up getting him in the top sixteen of the state hunt, uh, in the top sixteen of Kentucky PKC state race that year. And that fall, we took him, got him qualified for the world hunt. And I was like, you know, what? I've got I had him qualified I think three years in a row. And uh, Micah, he's like, you need to take that dog to the world hunt, try it. And I said. I ain't going to deal with it. You know, I, I, was, I was going to have to travel or something. I said, I ain't going to deal with it. Micah's like, buddy, if you don't put that, sign that dog up, he said, I'll pay you the entry to sign him up and I'll, t- and I'll get you, you'll ride up there with me and go. I'm like, well, you know, he can he stayed on me. I'm glad he did now. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, uh, so me and him, we went up there to the zones and I won both rounds at the zones. And actually the second, the second night, uh, it got down toward the end of the cast, and I needed a coon. I needed another coon. I think I was down a quarter, 
uh, off a strike, and I need another coon to win my cast. And uh, Willie got treed with like five minutes to go, and I was looking, and I was like, there ain't no trees where he's at. That guy, he said, no. He said, they, there's a barn over there. I said, well, I, you know, I, I'm looking. At, I know he's not at that barn. I said, he's in a drain tower. He's got, he's treated up a corn stalk or something. And uh, we get to walking over through there. And I look, and there's a telephone pole. The only telephone pole within probably 50 to 60 <laughs> yards. <laughs> and we go over, and he's got two coons sitting up. And that guy said, man, what luck somebody will have. And, uh, you know, at that time, I was just tickled to death. I want to cast. I wasn't thinking about ever making the top 100 of the, of the world hunt. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we went on from there. We just we caught the brakes, and, and Willie was looking good. And uh, I actually I got up there, too. This is, this is kind of funny. We was in the finals of the world hunt, and those people called me. They're like, man, they're going to try to scratch you. I'm like, what do you mean? They're like, well, they said Willie's silent. And uh, I'm like, he ain't silent, but, you know, a lot of times he'd just go through and file a tree. He'd tree lay up or he'd, you know, he'd run up on them so fast he'd put them up a bush before he'd say a word. Yeah. And uh, so we get out there, and I'm already nervous as can be. I'm not sure, you know, here I am finally, you know, First big hunt that I've really, besides autumn oaks that I put him in, and and here we are, and, and here they are trying to scratch me or something. I'm like, well, this is rigged. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, but anyways, we get out there and cut loose, and sure enough, if he don't strike, he's the first one strikes, huh. and uh, runs in there and gets treed, and another another boy's dog gets treed too, and uh, we both have coons. Get him off that, recut him, and, and he goes and gets treed and trees another coon. Uh, well, the, at that time. You know, they can't nobody beat me because we're recutting loose and all anybody's getting struck in for is a quarter. Mm-hmm. Well, then they call timeout. And I'm like, well, it's sure enough as rigged as they've ever been. And uh, we move spots. So now if they strike ahead of me, if somebody strikes ahead of me and trees a coon, they, somebody's got a chance to beat me. And uh, we move spots and go out there and cut loose, and I get first strike again. <laughs> and uh, he, gets, he gets treed again. I'm not – at that time, I'm kind of like, you know what, I don't, I don't need to tree him. Well, boy gets treed. Uh, I can't remember which dog it was. I don't know if it was Jason Cooper's or or which one it was. It got treed, and we go in there, and we're shining this tree, and you can hear Willie treed. You know, he's probably I think he's like a half a mile or something. And I'm like, there's gonna be two minutes left of shine time after the hunt's gonna run out. And uh, I'm sitting there thinking, I'm like, you know what? I'm gonna go ahead and tree this dog, and I I'll let him if he, if we get beat, it'll be on him. And uh, I ain't gonna sit here and wait around and. As soon as the hunt's over, somebody say, oh, here's a coon. We go over and there he sits, you know. So I treat him in. We go over and he's got another coon. And, and, and the dog done what he's supposed to do. And, and it was his night to win. Well, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and what? then we, we turn around and everybody's like, well, now you got a stud dog. You, you, you don't need to hunt him no more. Well, we take him to the, the, see, the AKC World Hunt. We go first night, put him in, gets in, double him up. And then, you know, what? that's on Wednesday. Then we got Friday. We double him up Friday night, and that puts us in the final Saturday night. And uh, Saturday night, he trees the only coon to cast. Jeez. And uh, I think right there in a row, he put in, I think it was uh, 16 or 17 cast wins. And, you know, uh, uh, at one point, the UKC World Hunt, I mean, you just, it gets to the point, you're like, man, how many cast wins do you got to win to be a world champion? Yeah. And I'm like, well, this is this is why it's the the most prestigious hunt because you got to go to RQE, you got to win at RQE, then you had to go up and go to the zones, 
and you may get that RQE win in, in February or March. Mm-hmm. I got mine in August, uh, and then you got to go to the zones and try to double up or get a high score and get in. Well, I doubled up, so that's three cast wins there. Then you make it to the world hunt. You had to hunt early round when you cast. You had to go back out late by yourself, and you think that's the easiest cast, and really when you're out there, you're so paranoid. That's the hardest cast win <laughs> to ever do. And and then after that, uh, we hunted early round again on Friday night, and if you didn't have the top three scores, you had to go back out and hunt late. Jeez. So, I mean, you know, you had to put in – we had to win RQE, double up at the zones. That's three. You had had to hunt early and late Friday night, or Thursday night, early and late Friday night, and Saturday night. So you had two, four, five. So you had to have eight cast wins in a row just to become a world champion. Right? You know, it's hard enough to win two or three cast wins in a row, let alone eight. Yeah, that's crazy. And then, and then you know, we was blessed. We go on and and hunt him at the AKC World Hunt, and then he wins two rounds. Right there on the Wednesday night, then he wins two rounds Friday and one round Saturday, so that was five more right behind the eight, and that was not counting, the, you know, what PKC hunt or whatever we put him in in between. Jeez. So he has two world champions, champions, I'm correct. Yeah. So I, yeah, back to back. What years was that? As in 2018. So, he won the UKC world in September and then won the AKC world in uh, October. That's what I thought. Is that... Did you do much hunting with him after that second world champion? Yeah. Yeah, we hunted him. We took him to the truck hunt. Didn't have no luck. Uh, and then uh, we uh, actually, Levi and Isaiah handled him at the CHKC world hunt and ended up placing second in the CHKC world hunt the following year. <laughs> so he was he was right there with, my, you know, making a, being a three-time world champion. Yeah. Uh, and, then, and then after that, you know, the breeding started picking up. He... He had some pups get of age, and and then when them pups started winning, man, you know it was kind of like okay, it's time to lay him up. Yeah. So when did when did you decide to retire him then? Uh, I guess I was kind of you know I I probably pleasure hunted him for the next year. Uh, probably up. See, he won the he won the two world hunts in eighteen. We hunted him in nineteen, and then in the spring of twenty twenty. We had like four or five dogs get killed on the road here, close to the house. Oh my! And I'm like, you know, you know, you know, I'm like, I'm not. I mean, yeah, the dog loves to hunt, and I love to hunt the dog, but you know, he's reproducing really well, and and I just kind of feel like it's kind of a everybody that's coming here. They're like, man, I can't believe you're hunting that dog. I can't believe you're hunting that. And finally, I'm like, you know what? There's a reason everybody's saying that, and I put him up. Yeah. Especially you start seeing. We, I talked about this with Birchell Davis because they retired Frogger. But if you start, if you start seeing a dog's reproducing really, really well, like you owe it to the breed and to everyone else and to yourself and the dog. Like, there's still so much to be done with that dog's life. Like, I understand he's not competing anymore, but he's. I'm, I assume he's probably still pretty busy <laughs> doing other things. Right oh, now. <laughs> yeah. I actually, I just, I just bred a female uh, earlier today. And that's so. that's good. I mean, that's gonna that'll just better the breed down the road if you can get. I mean, you know what you have. Like, you won two world championships with them, so I mean, yeah, you could probably still hunt them and win. But like, why? Like, you're happy. Yeah. He's, I mean, what else? What he ain't gonna do nothing now but disappoint you. You know. I mean, because you're gonna be looking for world championships and 
they're yeah. just they're too hard to win and and you know you, you hardly ever see the same football team win a you know a super bowl back to back or right. or at least make it to the super bowl yeah uh, so let alone being the being you know being three world you know three world final cast in a in a year's time i mean you know i, I take that as hey we we done pretty good with him and and it's time to put him up yeah that's very very well said but so i guess now that we kind of covered when he retired and stuff did you breed him very much like when you were hunting him in competition hunt still uh no uh travis brown the one like i said goes back to willie's on the bottom side his uh his granny and stuff like that uh he come out and bred a female uh i guess that would have been in 2017 uh which would be willie's willie's got had one litter of pups that they just turned five year old uh, in november and uh, we bred him, and then after that, we didn't breed no more to the following July, which produced uh, Little Willie and Rock's litter. And then I didn't really breed him none until probably seemed like he had one more litter in November of that year. And then really that next March is when it, you know, kind of blowed up. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, his first litter we had uh, out of out of the, out of five, his first litter. Every one of them doubled up in the Super Stakes. <laughs> Reba was in the finals of the Super Stakes. Uh, Willow was in the finals of the Super Stakes. Uh, Macy kind of had a handler error, or she would have, I mean, she had it locked up solid, or, or she would have been in the finals of the Super Stakes. Uh, so, I, I mean, you know, going off his first litter, you got five Grand Knights and five dogs that should have been in the, in the finals of the Super Stakes. <laughs> or, you know, or should have been, they all at least doubled up. Yeah. Uh, you could say. And that's pretty that's pretty impressive off of a litter of pups. Yeah, that's very, very yeah. impressive because, I mean, that's, those dogs are going to the right places, for one. They're getting, they're getting hunted. They're, obviously, they're competing well. So, that's, that's great on many fronts. Yeah, that's a, you know, if that's, if, if that's how you're trying, if you're trying to promote a stud dog, and his first litter does that. You're like, we may have a reproducer here. Yeah. And then, and then you know, we we throw the next litter, and you got Little Willie, which uh, is owned by Levi Stevenson and Derek Harold. You know, he he goes out there and gets in at the the Morgan Engel Invitational, and uh, I think all together he's won probably fifty to sixty thousand. And uh, and then you turn around is is the next you know the next litter. Uh, I'm hunting him for uh, Zach Norris and Kendall Norris. He's a one-year-old. I got him doubled up at the Super Stakes, uh, top 16 Autumn Oaks, uh, you know, probably one within a short period of time, which that's kind of right when the Pro Classic started kind of getting introduced. Uh, you know, every time I took him to a Pro Classic, we won. Jeez. And, and then, you know, that March comes around, and he starts, you know, starts breeding pretty heavy. Well, uh, then we've had, and since Willie's had a pup old enough to compete in the super stakes, he's averaged probably three to four pups double up or more in every super stakes spring or fall. And he's had a pup competed in the finals spring or fall since he's had a pup. <laughs> uh, Lacey's won the super stakes twice. Um, he had, uh, see Lacey's won the super stakes twice. Uh, he had a pup win the baby stakes this spring. 
Reba placed third in the seniors last or two years ago in the fall, and then he had a putt win the sophomores. So he's had, he's he's produced four super stake winners. Uh, he's had a pup compete in every big hunt this year. This year alone, he was the number one sire at the UKC World Hunt. He had five or maybe six pups in the top 100. Jeez. He had a he had uh, six six pups double up at the PKC World. Uh, every big hunt, if you look at every big hunt, has had a pup out of wheelie. In the, every world hunt besides the UKC World Finals had a pup out of wheelie in the final cast this year. Hmm. Uh, you know, in in the last, you, you go back and say, well, besides two litters, every one of his pups is three year old and under. Yeah. All right. They've won over five hundred thousand dollars. If he didn't, if he, if his, if he wasn't producing as many pups, if he wasn't producing as many pups, I guess like, well, when you add a hundred pups this spring or two hundred pups this spring, uh, he would be number one on the current reproducer list. Yeah. <laughs> if his pup numbers weren't jumping so fast. Yeah. Uh, so I mean, we've been blessed, and I mean, he's been he's been great to us, and he's been. He's been great to a lot of us. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's great to see because that's more, it's better for the breed and there's more people having success and enjoying it. And it's good to see that, that aspect of it. Cause it's not just at that point, it's not just you and your family getting to enjoy Willie and those dogs. You start breeding and reproducing like that. You're spreading a lot of happiness and success to a lot of other people out there as well. Oh yeah, and I mean, I I love people calls me all the time. They're like, "Hey, you know, uh, I hunted with so and so's pup down here at this hunt the other night." And I just want you to know, he's got me wanting to put bad. <laughs> and, you know that that's what you know. I love being able to to brag on Willie. You know, I ain't gonna just come right out and tell everybody. But if they ask me what his pups was doing, I'll tell them. Um, but you know, that's my main thing. I love hearing people call me. Hey, you know, we got this pup down here and. And this is, you know, my son's first pup, and and we got him running tree and coons and sending me videos, and and you know, I just I like to talk to people. I love it, you know, especially when somebody's calling and, and wanting to know something about Willie or some about his pups. If I can help them, I'm going to help them. Yeah. You know, they they ain't going to call me and and then maybe like, or I'm going to be like, hey, you know, sorry about your luck. You know, I'm doing this or that. You know, I appreciate people pushing Willie's pups, and I'm going to try to do my best to, you know support them i want to see them all do good and yep. then uh, if they got any questions or something i'm always here to talk to them but if i can help them out anyway i'll help them out that's great that's and that'll help keep the people that are interested they'll then knowing that they'll probably work harder with the pup because they know that there's good people behind it and it's just it's a good experience overall for everyone involved Oh yeah, I mean, it, and and when you got a stud dog and, and you're wanting to promote them, I mean, you got to have you got to have good people behind. You got to have a you know a lot of support. I mean, you know, I got some of the best friends with well, the family as you could say. I mean, you know, uh, if it wasn't for all my buddies close pushing these pups, nobody would ever probably you know Willie wouldn't have took off like he had. He wouldn't have been successful like he's been. And uh, I mean, that's what it takes. You can't. There's probably a lot of dogs that's going to reproduce, but if they ain't got a good good group of people behind them to push them, you never will hear about them. Yeah, you might hear about one or two dogs slide through and 
hey, so-and-so throw this nice pup. But to actually get out and see what they can reproduce, it takes a it takes a group and it takes a a lot of people and a lot of people working and, and a lot of people working together yeah. to make something like that. Definitely. So what was the next dog you really started competition hunting after Willie? Um, After Willie, I had a dog uh, named uh, Big Mac. Uh, me and Levi bought him when he was 10 months old off of Jason. And we started competition hunting him a little bit. And we ended up making him a grand night. We really didn't. We got to hunt him at his first super states. But uh, he had some issues. And it was just like he, he got sick on us. He got tick disease. And, mm. and it just it just seemed like we kept fighting and fighting that. And, you know, it took him a little bit to get over it. Yeah. Uh, it probably hurt him worse than any dog I've ever seen. I mean, he was a coon treer. Uh, mm. But it took him, you know, like almost a year and a half to get over it. Jeez. He couldn't, st- couldn't stand the heat. Uh, and you, you know, you take a dog, it's, you walk to every tree, seem like, and he's got coons Yeah. and then he, he just don't get treed or ain't, is not having coons. You lay him up, get him back out and he'll look good. And then once you kind of settle in on hunting him, he falls right back off again. Hmm. And then finally, finally it's crazy, but time he hit probably two and a half year old, he was as good, good as he ever was. Huh. I mean, you know, so that, that kind of tells you, you know, people gives up on his dogs sometimes, but. Sometimes they just need a little break and get adjusted. And, and sometimes they, you know, I'm the world's worst. I'm always in a hurry on stuff. Uh, but sometimes these dogs, you know, they're just like humans. This this person may get, get some kind of illness, and it take him three months, and he's back as good as he ever was. Well, somebody else may get the same problem, and, and it may take them a year to recover. Yeah. And, uh, you know, you just got to be patient with them. And, and that's one thing that I really ain't, but <laughs> I try to be. Yeah. So we ended up we we ended up selling him, and uh, we moved on to Connor. And then I hunted Connor and got him going pretty good. It was kind of one of them deals. I, if it hadn't been for Mac messing up, they wouldn't have never been a Connor. So because I I had Connor and I had another pup named Fly over at the house, and uh, I was hunting Mac. Well, Mac was just a one year, you know, or no, Mac was a two year old at the time. And uh, when he when he blew up on me like that with the early Ikea, uh, when I laid him up, I took Connor straight out of the kennel. I took him over to a starting pen, and Jason Bullock had him in the starting pen for probably a week and a half, maybe, maybe just a week. And I said, as soon as this dog starts treeing, call me. Well, he called me. He said, hey, this dog's getting treed. You're going to come get him. If you've been hunting with dogs for any amount of time, you know how important a quality bloodline is. So in the future, if you're in the market for a new pup or possibly looking for a stud to breed to, make sure you keep these dogs in mind. AKC World Champion, Platinum Champion, Grand Knight Champion, Davis's Rosedale Frogger. Frogger's owned by Virtual Davis, and you can see him in my YouTube channel. Hounds and Spotlight, Virtual Davis or Frogger, and it'll bring it up, and you can see him in the woods and see what he sounds like and how he hunts and get to know him a little bit. Also, for another quality hound, make sure you check out Buck Creek Croson. Croson is a PKC Gold Champion, UKC Dual Grand Knight Champion, and he's owned by Chuck Dunlap. Also, another quality reproducer that's reproducing accurate tree dogs. And once again, if you have a stud dog out there you'd like to advertise, just reach out to me, send me a message, and we can set something up to where I can advertise him on this podcast, on my social media pages, and my YouTube channel as well. Thank you all for making this possible, and we'll get back to the podcast. And I leave straight from down here, go pick him up. Well, me and Casey and Ben Hill go to Ohio to hunt with Eddie Godfrey a couple nights. And we go up there, and I just take him out. And, I mean, the first night in the woods, he trees his own coon. Jeez. The second night, he trees two coons. <laughs> well, I come back, I'm like, boys, I've hit the jackpot here. And I come back, 
I just just didn't realize, you know, my, my headache's about to start now. Do you want to tell everyone out there what Connor's out of? Connor is out of Nick Emmel's Abbey female. We had bred, we had bred easy, which Nick had won the world, the PKC world in 2018 to Willie. And, uh, like a week before she got diagnosed with cancer or, or something, I'm not really sure what happened to her, but she, she had some kind of sickness come up and about a week before we could have pups before she got to have pups. Uh, she passed away and we went up and pleasure him with Nick and he liked Willie. So he's like, when, when Abby comes and he'd always breed Abby. And at the time I didn't know Abby was, uh, I think she won the AKC world hunt as well. And, uh, and then, you know, Nick kept the one that looked like Willie and I got the, the open spotted dog here. I'm like, well, his looks don't suit me, but he's got a pretty head and he's got a big mouth. So we got something to work with. Yeah. So he was pretty much natural from the get go then I assume. Oh yeah, he was as probably as natural as far as getting started as and as easy starting as any dogs I've ever seen. When did you start putting him in hunts? Um, I was probably putting him in hunts ten, eleven months old. Oh really? Yeah, I mean probably within within two months of of him starting. I think. Well, I, I me back up. I started hunting him when he was ten months old. It was the first time he ever got took to the woods, okay. and then. Uh, so probably by the time he was August, September, time he was a year old, 13 months old, I'd probably started putting him in a couple of casts to see how he'd operate. And, uh, by the time, by the time he was probably, well, I'm going to say 15, 16 months old, I made him a night champion and I took him to Walker days. I placed him in the final four of the pup extravaganza. And then he ended up winning both nights at Walker days. And I, I left him up there. That's when me and Eric kind of become buddies and got to talking. And he was, you know, kind of like, hey, won't you leave that dog with me? And we kind of took off. And, I mean, that's probably one of my best friends. I talk to him every day, him and him and Steven. And, uh, I mean, that's one. That's another good thing about these dogs, you know. Uh, the people that you meet that you would have never thought. I mean, I mean, Eric's just like a brother to me. Yeah. I mean, I, I talked to him way more than probably anybody I went to school with or probably half the people in my family. Yeah, I've I know what you're saying and I'm sure most people out there listening to this will too. It's just it's something that you kind of you have to experience it to know what we're talking about, but there's not very many people that love coon hunting the way we do and understand dogs and how much we, like the drive to compete and just the experience of raising your own dog and just seeing that whole life and that just everything develop from that. Like it just, you have to experience it to know what we're talking about. And then when you meet someone who's just as passionate about it, it's just, you have a, you, you can relate to them so much better than anyone else because it's like a completely different lifestyle that they're, they have no idea what it is. No, yeah. You take, you know, you take a, like, just like with Connor, you know, he's probably one of my favorite dogs I've ever hunted just because he, he had that personality, you know, he could, he could make you so mad. You'd be ready to kill him uh, one minute. <laughs> But when he was walking back to the truck, you know, eventually he was going to be like, hey, it's all right, buddy. We'll get him next night. Uh, but, you know, Eric was like, well, let me take him over and hunt him. And Eric's brother went with me on them casts. And, well, Eric calls me. He's like, buddy, this dog is not looking good for me. I think he's homesick. He won't load. He won't eat. I'm like, well, I, don't, I didn't know what he would do. And uh, finally, Eric had a FaceTime me one night and was going to load up. And whenever he got Connor and he was getting ready to go load him in the box, I hollered at him through the phone, and uh, he loaded up. And it was just like, you know, after that, him and Eric started making buddies, and Eric, I think he ended up winning, 
I don't know, 10 or 12 casts with him that may uh, miss a truck ticket by like $4. Oh, jeez. And actually, actually, he didn't know the tiebreaker. Or he, he, we had a truck ticket, but he'd give a cast away. That's I when I did the podcast with him, he was he I remember him saying that. <laughs> so. And uh so then uh we went up and uh we me and Chewy, another good buddy of mine, we, we went up and stayed with him there a couple of days and we just kinda made a trip out of it and we kinda got close and we've been that way ever since. I mean, you know, we I got him back and took Connor to the world hunt the, the world hunt, got him in the top one hundred. Uh would have would have got in the final four out of Oaks, but he treated the only possum. <laughs> he treated he treated three singles and then treated one possum. Oh man, got scratched. <laughs> uh, and then uh, then we we got him. Like I said, we got him in the top one hundred of the world hunt, and then I take him to the PKC World, and I win three earlies and can't win a late. Man. <laughs> um, and then that follows around back around. You know, uh, I guess around. November, Eric was wanting him back, and uh, some for some reason we couldn't get together. It was probably the middle, the middle of December or something. I got him up there, and uh, Eric calls me a little bit after, like maybe a week after Christmas. He said, "Jr., you going to, have to come get this dog?" I'm like, what do you mean? He said, "Man, he fell apart. He can't tree a coon. I, I can't, I can't stand this." I said, "Well, I'll come get him," and we ended up meeting, and I brought him home, and it just he hit them terrible twos. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, that's a lot of good dogs. A lot of good pups get sold when they hit that. And if people ain't really trained pups and started pups, they don't even, you know, they don't know what I'm talking about. But every dog I've ever had, Willie, his pups, Willie's mom, uh, when they hit that stage, you know, they'll be clicking and they'll be on fire. And then all of a sudden you're like, what happened to my dog? He can't, he can't treat a coon. You go to the vet, ain't nothing wrong with him. No excuse whatsoever. They just, they go through that spell, and uh, I just kind of laid him up January, and then uh, February rode around. I started back hunting him a little bit, and, you know, he'd have nights. You're like, okay, he's coming back to Connor, and then you'd be like, well, I'm going to lay him up for a week. Uh, I guess it's probably the middle of March because I'd already, I'd already paid the $150 for the TOC, yeah. and uh, so, you know, probably the middle of March, he started coming around. And when I take him over here to the TOC, I'm like, well, I already paid, you know, 150 bucks. I might as well take him in honey. It's an hour from the house. We go over to the TOC. He treats the only, he treats the only, no, we treat two singles. I had 225 on a coon uh, Friday night. And then Saturday night, he treats, uh, he treats two singles and another dog uh, treats two singles. And I beat him on strike uh, Saturday night. Hmm. Uh, and then we go up there. And it was like, you know, this dog had looked bad pretty much. We probably didn't hunt him 10 nights from <laughs> uh, from Christmas to the middle of March. The dog probably wasn't cut loose 10 nights. Oh, my. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I knew what he was and what he was capable of doing. But, you know, it's just like, you know, we'll just kind of keep pegging along. Eventually, hopefully, he'll come out of this. Yeah. And... So by that time I'd got Scar and I was, I, you know, we got me and Ellis Keen, we, uh, we got Scar started and started running her. I'm like, well, if Connor don't come around, I'll take Scar to the Super States because she was, she was going to be a spring one year old. And, uh, but we kind of had, you know, I'll tell you about her here in a few minutes. Uh, so we get him, we get him up there at the, at the Super Stakes and, uh, 
we win. We get beat Monday night. We win Tuesday night early, get beat late. We win Wednesday night early, get beat late. Well, here comes Thursday, the last night to get in, and we get in. We uh, hunt Thursday night. We win early, and then it gets a late round, and we go over to this lake. And I mean, the dogs really. They was a, I don't know what the deal was, but they was a hole or something in there, and every dog we had took minus on it. Huh. They, one would tree, and then they'd leave, and then about 30 minutes later, another one come in there, and they'd tree, and they, which put stationary on them, and it was like they'd tree till the stationary was about up, and you had to tree them in, and, and then they'd leave. But uh, it come down, I mean, to the last 30 seconds of the, the last 30 seconds of the hunt, and Connor got treed. We go in there to him, he's got a cone and a den tree. Huh. Uh, so then we uh we leave there and we hunt Friday night early, and he trees three singles Friday night early, and then we hunt late Friday night and he trees a coon and a dog covers him, and then a dog that dog ends up treeing another coon by itself and he made a den. That's how I got beat out of the top six of the super stakes. Oh. And then we move on to the we move on to the tournament champions, and I mean he looked as he looked as good as any dog. In the in the month of April, the dog made forty nine trees, and had forty five coons. And they was pretty much all, for the most part, they was all in cast. Yeah, that's crazy. Uh, and then you know, uh, May comes around, and and I'm hunting him, and then I guess around June or something like that, uh, Billy Wolf and Austin Gentry call, and uh, they ended up, you know, they ended up buying him, and Austin, I think Austin's one probably. I don't know. I'd say I'd say over thirty, over thirty thousand with him. Man. Uh, so and probably from April to from April to now. So in ten months, the dogs probably won. Uh, I'm gonna say a little over, a little over eighty thousand, probably eighty five thousand. That's <laughs> that's unbelievable. I mean, Austin Austin doubled him up at the World Hunt. Uh, I think for the most part, ever Pro Classic, he's took him to. He's won or got in the finals. And then uh, he took him down there to Texas and got in a couple nights, and then took him uh, took him down there to the Jarvis Humphreys uh, hundred thousand dollar hunt. He won early, and then uh, he ended up getting beat in the top sixteen. Yeah, I've seen since then. I've seen some of those posts on Facebook and stuff. He seems to be still doing some winning. Oh yeah, and you know the the dog just turned three in August. Jeez, I mean so. Yeah, so he could still <laughs> next few years he could still win he's, something big. Yeah, he's got he's got a lot of learning left to do. Yeah, that's insane for that for that type of resume. You'd think he'd be at least five years old. Yeah. So so after you sold him, you said you already had Scar going pretty good at that point. Yeah, we had Scar going, but you know it's kind of one of them deals that you know if I've got Connor, I'm not I can't focus on the next one. Mm-hmm. So uh, so that's when. At the up there, when I've got Connor, Eric calls. He said, "Won't you send Scar up a little while?" And I mean, like I said, he is perfect for that. Which I also too, it works out great because I mean, you take a dog from the hills and hollers and take him up into the flat country. I mean, it it takes him a little bit to get adjusted, and and Eric takes him up there and hunts him like it's his own. And I mean, he does great with him. I mean, I think well, he won the pup hunt with Scar, the Walker Days pup hunt. He just about won the overall. Uh, the overall Walker days, hmm. uh, UKC Walker days. And, uh, I mean, I, I would say Eric probably ain't lost three casts with her. Jeez. Yes, I, <laughs> I mean, everywhere, everywhere he's took her, he's won. 
Yeah, I've when I've seen her hunt, I was very impressed with what she did. And uh, you know, she's she's got all the potential in the world, and and she missed a year of her life because she broke her leg. Oh, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. Well, you if you look at her in the front, you can't tell which way she's going. If she's going right or left. <laughs> that leg. Uh, they said, well, you can spend like a thousand bucks and and go this route, or you can spend fifteen hundred. We're going to put a steel rod in. Well, we put that steel rod in her, and she ends up somehow or another tearing it up at her in a cage. I mean, I've got her in a little little cage, probably. Oh, uh, it's probably three foot wide. It, it's the biggest metal crate that you can buy for like in a house or something. Yeah. And and we have to keep her inside forever because she's got a rod stuck out. And uh, I don't know how she she ends up tweaking her leg, and they go back in and do surgery again, and it never did it. It just it's always been kind of a little bit crooked. But I tell you what. She's got all the heart in the world. The night that she broke it, she turned a couple coons, and she wasn't probably 10, 11 months old. And uh, we end up driving like a mile and a half from where we turned her loose at, and here she comes across the field. I look, and I'm like, something ain't right about this dog. Well, she comes over through her, and the whole front leg is just dangling. Oh, my. And uh, here she is. Here this little dog is. You talking about something, you know, break your heart. Here she is just wagging that tail. I mean, you she jumps up in the box and that leg just flopping every which way. And you're like, man, these dogs are, you know, you, you don't realize how tough they are. Yeah. And what they'll, and what they'll, you know, what they'll try to do, uh, to stay, you know, to stay going. Yeah. They'll, it doesn't, <laughs> they have so much heart and drive. It don't matter what's going on. They, they just want to please you and go find a Kunda tree. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's amazing what them dogs can do. So how, I guess, what did the recovery time look like for that after that happened? Well, she was, uh, she's supposed to been laid up. I think they said like six to seven months. And then they're like, you know, you can start back easing her into it. Well, the way it worked out, it was going to be like February. And at that time I was like, well, I hate to lay her, you know, start in on her when I need to hunt Connor. So it's kind of one of those. I was like, well, we'll just wait and we'll just start hunting her, you know, after super stakes. Yeah. So, I mean, she just, and once we got her back out, it's just like she, she picked right up like she hadn't missed a beat. Hmm. So have you, have you been competition hunting her quite a bit then? Yeah, I think, uh, she's a, I think she's a grand knight too. Uh, she's won, I think, and, and just limited hunts. And in the last year, I think she's been in maybe two to three pro classics. Uh, and then, the she we hunted her one night at the super stakes, and I think she's got a little over six thousand one. So, do you have any big hunts you're going to be putting her in coming up? Yeah, we're gonna we're going which I, we you know last year we got her, uh, we had her qualified for the triple crown, and or had her in the running for the triple crown. Well, again, the next year after Connor dummy that way, Scar Tree's the only possum she's ever treated. Oh, um. at the. <laughs> at the at the autumn oak so we ended up getting beat and uh, that pretty much costed us the triple crown oh, because I, I i think uh the dial from alabama won uh but we both made it to the top 100 but i had double cast wins i think that dog at one just had a single hmm. but autumn oaks point system i think autumn oaks was like worth 40 points and the world hunt's just like once you make it to the zones and finals it's like only 20 and 10. So, but anyways, that, that dog ended up beating us. 
out of the triple crown but this year we got uh, scar qualified and we got and both of those doubled up at the winter classic again so we're going to try to run for it and i'd like to make her a gold champion uh by nationals nice so do you have any if other keep her, what's that if if we can keep her operating i, I hope we have her gold champion by the by the end of uh, april <laughs> yeah that'd be awesome do you have any other dogs off of Willie you're hunting now or just focusing on Scar? Uh, yeah. Uh, Ellis, we got one uh, named Ann. We ended up, we we got her in September. We placed her in the top uh, top 20 of the PKC world last year. She had never been in hardly a cast uh, when we got her. I think she'd been in, She well, she had she had $54 one in PKC, and she had, didn't have no wins in UKC, and now – She's a night champion, and then in the last week, I put two wins on her in in, in Mississippi, and Eric won three. So she's she's on a five cast win streak this last week. Oh, uh, awesome. So she needs she needs she needs three wins to be grand, and she's got uh, I think a little over five thousand one. And we've only had her for see October, November, December, and January, and she was in heat one month. So <laughs> in four months, uh, so. I think she's going to be she's going to be the right kind. She's going she's going to do good. No bad luck, anyways. You yeah. never know about a dog. No, I <laughs> definitely don't. But that's all all good to hear. So you got <laughs> you're pretty busy then with dogs out of Will. So you've been hunting Willie, or I guess you said it was at fifteen, close to fifteen years now. You've been hunting, hunting the same line yeah. of walkers. Yep. Yep. Since. Since 2000, I think Paige was born in 2008, 2009. So, so since then we've had, you know, we had Willie's mom, and then now we got we had Willie, and then now we're hunting his pups. So we're on our third generation. Well, <laughs> do you have anything you'd like to to add? I think we've covered about everything. Uh, I just like to thank the good Lord for blessing me and and giving me an awesome wife and a and a healthy little baby girl. My my wife, she's a She's my biggest fan, Tara Gray. She supports me in everything I do, and uh, she's always like, "Hey, you go out and you work on these hunts, and and you know, she's all, all she's all for it. She's behind me a hundred percent, and and that takes, you know, that means a lot. I'd like to thank my dad. You know, Stanley Gray. He's a he's a he's my biggest fan. It, it no matter what I need him to do, he's always like, whether it's taking Willie to the vet or if I'm going to a hunt, he's getting a dog bread or, I mean raising pups taking care of pups or you know he just anything i need him to do and that i mean it takes a it takes a village of people to to, to get an operation going and keep it going and and I, i've been blessed with some of the best and uh also you know i want to thank uh eric emory and stephen emory you know uh they do awesome with these pups I, i'll get a pup going good you know and send them up there and, and they'll hunt the far out of them and get them used to that country and and they both, I mean, they're both good dog men. Uh, and I want to thank my partner, you know, Ellis Keen. Uh, me and him was partnered up on dogs, which were neighbors. And, and uh, I mean, you couldn't ask for no better partner. Uh, and then also, you know, he's, he's just a great friend. And, you know, we got Casey Maggard and Ben Hill and, and Tony Bowman. Uh, they're all right there in the mix uh, of hunting dogs and training dogs. And we're switching them out. And you never know which dog we're hunting. Yeah. Uh, also Chewy, I mean Chewy's Chewy's my main man. He goes with me to every hunt, and I, I always tell him he's my good luck charm. I mean he's, you know, when you start traveling, if you gotta do it by yourself, I mean it's a it's a job. Yeah. 
And I mean, Chewy, he's right there with me. If you see me, you'll see Chewy at a hunt. And uh, he's always good at helping me with the dogs or, or, you know, being a truck man, you know, sometimes you get in a situation, you need one. Right. And that's just, uh, you know, just to have a, just to have a close friend like that, that's, that's going to go to ever hunt with you. And, and, you know, him really with nothing to gain, but just, just out there to help me. And I mean, that, that means a lot. And I appreciate him for that. Also too, I, I want to thank, you know, Kevin Cook and, and Braden Jones and the, way there i mean they're they've always been a help and and they're some good friends and you know that's like a toc i got to go up there to toc and uh got the pleasure hunt night or two before and you know they didn't have to do that let me have a kennel for my dog i mean that's you know true friends is hard to come by and, and i met a lot of good ones in the in the coon hunting world and uh i mean i thank god every day for it you know we got a big group of people and whether we win or lose, we're having a ball. I mean, we're going to make the best of it. You don't never know when you promise tomorrow, and, uh, I mean, you better live every second the best you can. Well, that was a great interview, and I really thank J.R. Gray for sitting down and talking to me. I was really excited to hear the story of Rackham Willie. I am like a lot of you out there. I knew about this dog, and his resume of winning is pretty impressive, but it's really nice to get to sit down and just know some of the details and background and history of the dog involved and also the owners. I find that really interesting and I think it's beneficial to everyone involved. So I hope you're enjoying these videos and if you are, make sure you check out my other pages. And now I'll just give a personal thank you to all of you out there on Patreon. Because your growing support is really making this possible and helping me cover travel expenses and my camera equipment and everything that goes into doing what I do. So I'm just going to give a big thank you to all of you out there starting with Austin, Brent, Thomas, Brian, James, Nick, Jose, Matthew, Dalton, Chase, David, Joel, Tyler, Noah, Riley, Nathan, Ryan, Kevin, Doug, Austin, Micah, Gregory, Grell, Brandon, Michael, Nelson, Tyler, Brody, Tom, Bobby, Mark, Brian, Colton, Nathan, Sam, Ryan, Mark, Lawrence, Ryan, Derek, Kendall, Justin, Blake, Sidarius, Brian, Angela, Rodney, Darnell, Austin, Dalton, Parker, Tyler, Dylan, Brandon, Tyler, Philip, Eric, Allen, and Martin. I really appreciate all your growing support and continued support. I really like talking to you all directly on there. It's hard to respond to everyone, but it's nice having Patreon because those of you who give me direct support, I can get in touch with you right away and it's very easy. It's more of a one-on-one -on -one format and I really thank you for your help and thank you for listening to this podcast and watching my videos and I'll talk to you next time. You ended up treeing seven tenths of a mile. I had my light on coming in and he had another coon so turned him loose three times he had three coons. Ah, ah, ah.